giant robot smashing into other giant robots. Hello, everybody. This is the Giant Robot Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast. It is October 8th, and I'm here with Seth Prebatch. How's it going, Seth? Going well. How are you? I'm doing really well. So, Seth, uh, you are the chief ninja over at Level Up Flash Scavenger. Is that true? That is true. So, for folks who are way behind the times, uh, can you describe what Level Up is to us? Sure. So, Level Up is a mobile payment application. A really simple app. You download it to your phone, iPhone, Android, Windows phone. You link your favorite credit card. And then you get to leave your wallet at home and head to any of 4,000 merchants on Level Up, pay with your phone, and there's a bunch of savings and rewards baked in also. Gotcha. Uh, That sounds like a very polished elevator pitch. You may have given that once or twice. I I have actually given it to a venture capitalist in an elevator. Really? Uh, and and uh, led to led to a next meeting. So yeah, I've I've, I've had a had a good shot of practicing. I'm sure you have. And so I, I did a bunch of uh, like biographical research on you as I'm preparing for this podcast. And it seems like uh, pitching is something you've actually got a lot of experience with in general. Uh, I've I've definitely had had good shots to practice. Uh, uh, one of the the weirder uh, sort of bits of history on this is the the elementary school I went to, Dexter. Uh, was pre-K all the way through through eighth grade, mm-hmm. um, and they had you from when you were pre-K, so like five or six stand up in front of a thousand people at all school assembly and memorize i think at that point it was leo leone stories like the little fairy tales and recite them from memory wow Uh, so useful stuff if you're looking to terrorize children uh, but get them ready for 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 vc pitching yeah i mean that sounds that sounds insanely formative it was it was a very sort of rigorous uh grammarian school uh they were very much into teaching latin and you know math from like age four it was good 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 education a little bit of a weird environment but you know, ended up well. A little traumatic, maybe? A little traumatic, perhaps, yeah. Huh, interesting. So, um, how's Level Up going? So, Le- Level Up is going great. We- we've been on a, on a pretty sweet tear. The-, the-, the app launched a year and a month ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was only in Boston. Um, now, we're in 25 cities across the country uh, with offices in seven of them, uh, 4,000 merchants, about 300,000 users. Um, and we're now moving about between four and five million dollars this month uh, of interchange free money for merchants, which, you know, where, where the savings come from for consumers is that the merchants don't have to pay payment processing fees. And so we've now got this still very small but burgeoning economy where suddenly you can move money frictionlessly. Merchants don't have to pay to move it. They give it back to the consumers. And it's it's still at an early stage, but but growing fast. Yeah, it's interesting. I've, I've seen there are places, I think there's actually somewhere in Harvard Square. And it's like they take cash and level up. So we push people really hard to that. We actually printed up a whole set of stickers, which are cash and level up only, and uh-huh. have been, uh, uh, I would say, politely egging merchants on to rip out their credit card terminals. And, and uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe 25 to 50 have done it so far. Awesome. So, so if, how, how, how do you make money if you don't charge money on the interchange? Sure. So, so mainly off of tweets. Um, but, but the other method uh, that we recently <laughs> announced w- was that uh, uh, w- with level up, the savings that you're the consumer uh, are getting are also very valuable to the business in that a business will offer you $2 to try them out for the first time. And when the business runs that campaign, um, if we attract a new customer to the business, we earn 40 cents for every dollar of credit in the campaign. Mm. So quick example on that, you know, you're going to Baloco, which is a great burrito place around here. They're offering you $2 because you've never been there before. Uh, Level Up drives you there because of that incentive. You spend $10, you, you really only spend eight because you save the two. Um, Baloco is giving you that two and paying us Level Up 80 cents, uh, 40 cents times the $2, basically for having delivered the customer. Um, and so our long-term view of the economy is that moving money uh, should be free. Uh, in much the same way that Google made moving information free, you shouldn't actually have to pay to move dollars back and forth. Instead, you use the data in that to create value for the consumer, value for the business, grow revenue, and monetize off of that lift. And it's, it's sort of a foreign way to look at the economy, but, mm. um, but I, think, I think, you know, potentially revolutionary. Yeah, it's, it, it sort of shifts it from it costs you money to do business to 
it costs you a bit of money to get customers, which make you more money. Right. It, it's, it's advertising. It costs you money to make money, but just running your business should be free. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Google made searching free, right? And they decided they could give away a very expensive service. I think it costs Google $10, $20 billion a year to run their search infrastructure, but they give it away for free because they can make more money by adding value around the search. Mm -hmm. uh, we think the exact same analogy is true with the economy. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a really, a really different ballgame to try and make it happen. In. It's interesting to think about tackling things at that, that scale. Like you say, economy, not just like, oh, local payments or something like this. Like you're, it's like you're trying to change the world in a sense here. So, so uh, we are, and the, the, good, the good news is it's not just me. If it, if it was just me, it would be, I, would, I, would, I would probably give up and go home right now. But uh -huh. uh, you know, there are now over 100 of us uh, who wake up every morning and uh, think very deeply and work very hard to try and actually make this shift happen. And of course, you take small steps, but um, like a great guy, Harold Prokop, just joined us, uh, uh, who uh, you know, is now leading our engineering team. And he came from Akamai, where you know, he also did things that sort of changed the world fundamentally. They now run, I don't know, 30% of internet traffic. Uh, a huge amount of downloads every day. And, and so he's sort of seen one big shift happen of content delivery. Uh, and we sort of invited him to join. And he was excited to join to say, hey, like I've, I've done that once. Let's do it again. Um, I've never done it before. So it's nice to have people around who, who, who sort of have. Yeah. So, so Level Up was sort of built or born out of Scavenger. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. So what was the evolution there? Yeah. So, so this is a pretty, uh, uh, as all startups are, kind of a strange story. Um, Scavenger was a, the company that I started when I was back at Princeton, then dropped out, um, ended up winning the business plan competition. Uh, all the cool kids were dropping out of school, decided I had to follow. Um, and what we built for, for a year and a half was uh, one of the first location-based uh, gaming platforms, sort of in the vein of Foursquare and at that time, Gowalla, um, Brightkite, there were maybe a couple hundred. Um, and, and it was really successful, uh, grew from zero to now 3 million users, uh, still active. Um, but it had... A bunch of things it did really well, driving people to places and some things that it didn't. Um, probably the, the biggest aha moment for us was we ran a campaign with Buffalo Wild Wings, which drove 180,000 people to play at Buffalo Wild Wings locations over eight weeks. They did 1.2 million challenges, half a million rewards. It ended up winning a bunch of, of, of awards itself for the campaign. And we brought the data to them and said, hey, look what we, what we made happen. Like, look at all these tweets, look at all these Facebook posts. It's amazing. And they looked at us and said, that actually made us a ton of money. And they pulled their point of sale data and said, here's what you made us. Um, and we sort of looked at that and we're both excited and aghast in that we'd made them a bunch of money and that's great, but we had to rely on them to tell us. Uh, mm. So we were clearly missing a huge connection point, uh, which ended up being the transaction. Um, and so we took everything we knew about game mechanics, about mobile, about social, about location, and launched a second product, Level Up, keeping Scavenger going, keeping developing there, but turning a huge amount of focus to can we use these skills to actually, instead of just moving tweets and Facebook posts, actually move money. Mm. Um, and it was a weird path to get there, uh, but ha has ended up working out really well. Huh. How do you split your time now between the companies? So, so the, the, the vast majority of the focus is on Level Up, um, and, and it's all the same company. It's just sort of two products. Okay. My, my, my day to day is, is you know, almost 100% Level Up at this point. It's, it's, um, Scavenger does incredibly well and adds a lot of value, and people, the people who use it like it, the universities who use it love it, the brands that use it love it. But in terms of something that really can shift the world in a, in a, in a pretty fundamental way, uh, level up has that type of scale mm -hmm. uh, and so you know that's that's what really gets me gets me going in the morning gotcha so you, you talk about that's your day is mostly level up focus so you're you're I, reading about you your day your working day has a bit of um it's a couple days in each day yeah, apparently yeah. so like what 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 is your schedule like what walk us through like a weekish. like what are you doing sure well well the first thing is i've given up on the idea of a week uh, okay. I've shifted to decades most recently which decade. is 10 days okay uh, much much more efficient potentially if you don't do weekends anyways it like, you know, the Gregorian calendar starts to fall apart no matter what. Okay. Uh, 
But so I, I get up at five in the morning, almost uh, uh, almost exactly all the time, mm-hmm. uh, work for an hour, uh, go running. That's like the one thing I think that keeps me sane. Mm. I, I, I don't know um, if, if other people like have gotten into that, but I, I cannot uh, work a day without having uh, at least burned off some level of energy. Mm. Um, get to the office by around eight or nine, uh, work until, I don't know, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, I usually get three to four hours of sleep a night, uh, rinse, wash, and repeat. And is that enough sleep for you? Is that sufficient? Um, I've never gotten more, so I hope it's sufficient. <laughs> so someday as an experiment, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do like a 12-hour sleep cycle and see what happens. Yeah. How, how about you? How much do you sleep? You look well-rested. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, I sleep, I need like nine hours. Like nine and a half is a bad ideal for me. So like your schedule would, would kill me. I would be like a walking zombie insanely fast. <laughs> insanely fast. Well, there's five-hour energies and, you know, high-paced electro music. Sort of all... Yeah, all, all matches which together. are all like, you know, stopgap measures yeah, exactly. if, if, if you're trying to just push through exhaustion. Um, and so do you do you love this schedule? Does it feel awesome to you? Like, is, is this are you doing exactly what you want to do? Yeah, it's it's as fun as it gets. I mean, if it wasn't, it would be it would be really brutal, right? Like the, the, right. the actual amount of work that goes into it is is insane. The rest of, you know, I spend a lot of time obviously working with the engineering team. They're all working crazy hours, too. Like if we didn't all love what we were doing, it would be it would be really unpleasant and, and we'd go find something else to do. Yeah. Um, the, the good news is that, you know, even though you sort of have to tackle these massive problems and there are always things that suck, you know, uh, you're on Heroku and Heroku goes down and you have to make sure the failover systems are working. It's like in intense amounts of stress. It's all building something that's, that's meaningful mm. uh, and, and ends up being something that at the end of the day, you can look back and say, hey, that last 24-hour work cycle, like we are now two steps closer to a world in which something meaningful has changed, in which money moves freely, in which we can leave our wallets at home and and you know, so when you do get those three hours of sleep, you get to rest really well, right? You feel very good about everything. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's fun. And is, and is that what's motive, what motivates you is like changing the world? Is that what you're, you're most after? So, so it, it, it's super cliche, uh, g- generally speaking, but, but for the, the way I like to think about it is, is not so much as broad as changing the world, because that ends up being something that I think in one way or another, everyone wants to do. Um, for, for us, it's about taking the very specific thing we can change about the world and making sure we do that right. Uh, and I think at this point, the thing we can shift is the the idea that money costs money to move. Um, and that is a fundamentally uh, sort of transformative concept to try and make happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you wake up in the morning and you say, I want to change the world, like everyone should do that. Uh, but it's a little too broad. If you wake up in the morning and you say, there's this one really specific part of the world that is just broken. But if 100 of us put our heads together and we like really just keep running into walls until we run through them, we can make money flow frictionlessly. And then what what sort of comes from that shift will change the world but it's it's that shift that we've got to kind of push towards hmm. so do you want to see uh visa and amex just like lying dead on the ground in front of you um uh so, so it's a weird relationship between those guys and, and and we actually end up working very closely with with visa and mastercard and amex and and the founders of discover card just invested recently oh. um and so it's this it's this really <laughs> Interesting. yeah it's it's a really fun love-hate relationship even more awkward than that sometimes uh is if you look at um Two of other, our other investors, uh, there's Google Ventures, which is obviously a, a, a separate part of Google from Google Corporate. But Google, of course, has Google Wallet, which is directly competitive. Mm-hmm. And then there's T-Ventures, who invested, which is the, ve- uh, the venture arm of Deutsche Telekom, which owns T-Mobile. Uh, and T-Mobile is, of course, doing ISIS, uh, which is also directly competitive. So it's this weird world where um, I never understood the, the teenage girl term of frenemy until, <laughs> until we started doing payments. But you have, you have more frenemies than you know what to do with. And so, you know... Like we have situations where, um, you know, one wing of a major uh, payments corporation will be at a conference trashing us and being like level up is terrible. And these people are a threat and we need we need to take them down. 
well, they've also got executives in our office figuring out how we can partner. Yeah. Um, and and that, that blew my mind for the first couple of months. But if you look at something as intricate as payments and as intricate as the economy, like there are going to be weird elements where what we do is great for some halves of an organization and, and painful for others. But generally speaking, there are ways we can add value to everyone because what we're doing is we're pulling the advertising ecosystem into the transactional space. And so we're not just taking money away from Amex, MasterCard and Visa, even though we are. Uh, we're also replacing it with a new revenue stream. Hmm. Can you talk more about what that what that is pulling the advertising into the into that? Totally. So 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 going back to this idea of campaigns, right? The two dollars you've got at Beloco uh, as a new customer that that to a consumer is a reward, which is great, right? I like it because I've saved two dollars. But to Beloco, it is essentially an advertisement, right? It is it is replacing the money they would have spent in a newspaper ad mm-hmm. or with a Groupon, which is if you're a business, don't run a Groupon. Like it's really bad because you can't track the return, but. It's all the same type of ad. It's, it's the ad uh, spending they would have put on Facebook, maybe, or um, even, you know, another weird way to think about it, that they would have reinvested into bigger uh, signage in their windows. They're always spending money to make more money. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we're doing is we're saying we can make that ad spend much, much more efficient and much, much more real by virtue of the fact that we are running the payment system so that when you as a consumer spend $2, the business can know if you were the right customer because they can know when you come back. They can reward you for coming back. They can have loyalty campaigns that all tie into the same system. And so it sort of takes what Google was able to do with Google Analytics and Google AdWords and say, hey, if you're an e-commerce site, I can show you the real value of a consumer from click to purchase to repeat purchase Mm. and brings that into the real world and runs it over the payment rails. Um, And so Visa and MasterCard make, I don't know, $25, $35 billion a year off of interchange. But the advertising ecosystem for the real world is... $300, $400 billion. So it's literally an order of magnitude bigger. And if we can take some portion of that and pull that onto the rails, Visa and MasterCard aren't necessarily going to go away. Their business models might shift a lot, but it's all running over, you know, over the payment rails as opposed to over the newspaper's quote unquote rails or Facebook's quote unquote rails. Right. And it takes you from a situation where you put up a billboard and who knows how well it worked versus you ran a campaign to get new customers and you got x customers and they spend this much and on average they spend that much and exactly and 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 even with with the billboard companies or the or the newspaper uh you know advertisement ecosystem we also we don't want to destroy that at all right we've built a way for for you to take a level up campaign and with a qr code that a consumer can scan with their phone place that on a billboard or place that on a newspaper advertisement and then you as a business can suddenly track and say hey you know before i was running newspaper advertisements and i had no idea if they worked now i'm running them and I either know they do work or they don't. And if they do, that's great. I'm going to spend more money with them. And if they don't, that's also great because now I know where to spend my money better. So, so, so we really, while we kind of half the time people look at us and say, hey, that company's trying to, to kill newspaper advertising and kill Visa and kill MasterCard, we're really not. Uh, what we're trying to do is make everything more efficient. And in that more efficient world, more money gets pulled in. So even though you now know what works and what doesn't, you're spending so much more money because it now works so much better that... Uh, it sort of creates a rising tide for everybody. Hmm. So you mentioned uh, QR codes. Do you worry about people having sort of like QR code phobia or something? I think I feel like the natural reaction to QR codes for whatever reason is just like distrust. Yeah, yeah. Q- QR codes are, are for us sort of a delivery mechanism. Um, uh, I'm super not zealous about like QR codes are the future. Yeah. Um, I agree. They're, 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 they're kind of funny looking. Um, uh, we, we're sort of working to, uh, uh, you know, embed or edit them so that they look like the Level Up logo. You know, if they've got those three squares in them and Level Up's logo is three squares, uh, make them look a little bit more approachable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the way we look at QR codes is, is it's not that the QR code itself is important or even really, this is stranger, that the mobile device itself is important. It's that that is a way of delivering data. 
that lets you do a lot more. So we picked QR code because every consumer device right now has a screen. Uh, and I'm pretty confident for quite some time, uh, every consumer mobile device will have a screen. Um, we also support NFC. It's just so few devices have NFC that you know, if you had NFC, you can pay with Level Up with NFC at the new terminals. But um, the, the, the change in consumer experience is really small. Hmm. Interesting. So it's sort of an implementation detail then. Exactly. It, it falls down to what is, what is the broadest possible way to move a rotating token from device A to device B, and scanning just works well. Gotcha. So you gave a TED Talk at TEDx Boston. I did, yeah. What, what was that like? So, so that was really cool. It was, it was all about you know, how to use game mechanics to motivate behavior uh, in the real world. And, and the, the sort of organization that TED and their subsidiaries TEDx have created is, is unbelievable because you really um, you sort of have these, these almost like old school Greek philosophy roundtables where everyone gets together and the whole point is just learning. Mm. Um, and, and, and so um, I got the chance to speak for, you know, I don't know, 12 minutes on what game mechanics are going to do in the real world to motivate behaviors, whether it's driving them to businesses or helping make education more, both more enjoyable and potentially more effective. And then I think the guy uh, after me was talking about how he had done a complete, the, the world's first complete face replacement surgery. Um, and, and, and had literally taken this, this woman who had been in some terrible accident and her face was, was basically destroyed. Um, and we transitioned from game mechanics to, you know, two second pause and a guy talking about this unbelievable modern day medical miracle where he'd literally taken a face and, and transplanted it onto, onto this woman and sort of given her back her life. And to have those types of, uh, just conversational roundtables going on was un unbelievable. That's awesome. So what do you worry about? What what keeps you up at night when you're uh, when you are trying for your three hours of sleep? Like what, uh, what the, stresses the, you? the sirens going around outside. Yeah. Uh, no. So, so so there's all sorts of things that could possibly go wrong, right? Uh, we have huge competitors who are just way bigger and way better funded than we are. Um, t to name a few, Google. Uh, they've got a couple billion dollars in the bank. Um, Apple. Uh, I believe they have the GDP of Greece in the bank, which is, you know, not saying much, but it's still meaningful. Um, there's PayPal. We're going to get a lot of hate mail from Greek listeners. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Please send it to ThoughtBot. <laughs> Please don't. Um, so, 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 you know, we've got, we've got Apple, obviously. We've got PayPal. We've got um, uh, uh, the three carriers, uh, AT&T, Verizon, and uh, T-Mobile, uh, getting together to build ISIS. And so one thing that just makes me nervous is we are literally, you know, in a very, very well-built boat. Uh, that, that, you know, it does things different than everyone else does. We don't charge interchange. We make our money off of advertising. It's a, it's a universal experience. Um, but we're going up against like the Spanish Armada. And they've got just so much money um, that, you know, they can do things like I, I believe PayPal, they don't talk about this publicly, but I believe they're spending, you know, between 30 and $50 million to buy their way into Home Depot. Uh, they want PayPal accepted at Home Depot. So they just went there and they said, hey, if we give you tens of millions of dollars, will you do this? And any sensible merchant would say yes. Um, we've raised $42 million total, right? So we can't, we can't like, it's, that's a lot of money, but compared to what these guys have, it's, it's nothing. Mm. Um, so that makes me somewhat nervous. Uh, but, you know, what, what, I, what I end up feeling better about at, at the end of the day is that um, there are reasons why an, an, an entrenched player can't end up winning in the payment space because they have ulterior motivations or they make money in different ways. So if you're Apple, it's very, very hard for you to build a mobile payment solution that's going to be universal because if I'm Tim Cook, I don't want to build an app that's awesome that works on Android because I want to sell iPhones. Mm. And if I'm Google, I'm not sure I want to make my mobile payment system work on Windows Phone. And so it's hard to be universal. If I'm AT&T, I'm not going to make it work on Sprint. If I'm Amex, I'm not sure I want you to be able to link a Visa. If I'm PayPal, I want you to use PayPal. Um, and so all of these other companies that already have existing businesses, 
are trying to protect their existing businesses mm. as opposed to building the best consumer experience. Mm. And we don't have an existing business. Uh, so we can just start fresh. And while they have huge advantages on the scale front, we have sort of a purity advantage that I, I think to date has served us very well. Interesting. So that, that could kind of be the Achilles heel of those businesses is, is their existing interests. It, it, certainly, it certainly slows them down. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's what, you know, we're a tiny company, but we are now the second largest mobile payment network in the States, not behind any of the big players, behind Starbucks, uh, who also is doing it. They're not doing it as a network, but for their very pure experience. So I want you to be able to pay at Starbucks. They built a great user experience uh, because they didn't have any conflicting existing interests. They just want to sell coffee at their locations. But they also wouldn't make it work at Seattle's best coffee right? because they want to sell coffee at Starbucks. Hmm. It's like all these things have like fundamental things that are going to limit them. They need to somehow focus down to a smaller, right. smaller niche. We, we sort of call it trajectorial focus internally, where the way you look at things makes a bunch of sense depending on your history. And in this case, they have a history that hmm. makes them look at things in a way that isn't necessarily the best for the consumer. Hmm. So when, when are you happiest? <laughs> um. You know, I can actually probably tell you exactly. I am happiest at 12.32 p.m. every day. No, a.m. The, the one that's lunchtime. I always okay. get that mixed up. Okay. Is that p.m.? p.m.? Yes. Uh, I'm happiest at 12.32 p.m. every day because uh, that is when uh, transactions on Level Up peak. Uh. And there's a moment when we, we have this all streaming in real time uh, uh, through New Relic and you know, in our own logs. And there's, it's that single minute of time when you can really feel uh, the, the, the sort of momentum of the whole thing going and, you know, I used to be excited because at that moment, I know I would have one transaction in the minute. Uh, and now it's, you know, dozens of transactions a second uh, and really, you know, sometimes hundreds or thousands of dollars moving every second. Um, and there's that moment in time every day where actually I try and, you know, make sure to stop at that moment and actually look at the graphs and be like, this is really good, mm. right? This is now actually real. Um, and so much of my life is around building this thing that to have that one moment every day where it's like, yep, real proof that this is working uh, feels very nice. Mm. So you, you said so much of your life is building this thing. Is there, is there anything outside this? Is there room for, for you to do other things? Um, so, so I do one other type of thing, which is, which is running of some sort. Uh-huh. Um, and, and the team, we, we have a, 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 you know, just a really weird, active, energetic team. Um, and so uh, for the past couple of weekends, uh, between 10 and 12 uh, other folks from the team, sort of a rotating crew, have gone and we've done some type of adventure race. Mm-hmm. Uh, so two weekends ago, we did Reach the Beach, which is a 200-mile relay race from... Uh, think mount cannon to hampshire beach uh and you just hop into two vans and you run eight miles and you pass off the baton and the next guy run eight, runs eight miles you hop back in the van and drive and pick him up and sort of run your way through the night for about i think it took us 26 hours hmm. um and then this last weekend uh six of us went up to um mount killington and did the spartan uh, uh beast race oh nice i'm is, doing that at fenway in november oh it's it's such a mess uh like like be prepared to get absolutely destroyed it, it, like awesome. I'd, I'd trained for this thing a little bit uh, and we ended up running up and down mount killington four times oh my it's 14 and a half miles okay. <laughs> um they had like 600 meter stretches of barbed wire uh that you had to like crawl underneath they have like ropes you have to climb and the whole thing it's just like it it takes a pretty neurotic crew of people to try and go after rebuilding the economy <laughs> and like that type of neurosis sort of you know plays well when it's like okay you're now in the spartan race and like what do you do well there's 600 meters of barbed wire going up a mountain. Have, have fun. <laughs> do, do your investors know that you're risking yourself in this manner? Um, I, I had to unfriend some of them on Facebook uh, so, so that it wouldn't freak them out uh, on the weekends. But, you know, I'm sure we've got good insurance. Yeah. Something I think the, like the, that. The thing I'm doing in Fenway, I think, is a, is a smaller scale. I think it's like three miles maximum. So It'll still be brutal. Actually, I may be doing this as well. This is uh, like mid-October. Uh, I think it's like November, November. something. I'll Somewhere see you there. there. Awesome. <laughs> 
Good. I'll be the guy that's tangled in the barbed wire, like crying for mercy, I think. <laughs> um, how's your dating life? Uh, non-existent. Yeah, no time. Uh, no, no time. Uh, I, I'm dating the economy, and gotcha. it's a very, very fickle, fickle thing to date. <laughs> <laughs> You're dating your company. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's okay. I'm, I'm quite good at building companies. I think I was quite bad at dating anyways. So. Mm. So, so this is probably best for everyone. There's a pretty good anecdote in one of your in one of the interviews I read about you with your your most recent relationship, where the question was asked to you oh. and your friend. Yeah, this is, this is my most recent relationship being now like six years ago. Right? <laughs> okay. But 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 the, the way the way the uh, the thing unfolded was uh, I was at you know we were sort of on a uh, I think it was like prom night or something. It was sort of group group together having dinner, but everyone had dates. Uh, and uh, me and my girlfriend got asked how long we'd been dating. And simultaneously, I responded two weeks, and she responded six months, and that was instantly the end of the relationship. <laughs> and, and since then, I haven't haven't quite worked up the courage to try again. Yeah, that's beautiful. What's been your proudest moment to date? Um, that's an interesting question. Um, I think probably the most recent one, and 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 the the, the peak one was um, n- nothing insanely special, but but four weeks ago. Um, we took the whole team out, like literally everybody, uh, to to just go sailing. Sort of company outing was just fun. Um, but afterwards, you know, we had everyone together, uh, and it's you know hundred plus people uh, just sort of sitting outside, you know, hanging out, chatting, and we all got together for sort of a group picture. And it was it was a a, a really powerful moment of a hundred plus people, all like minded, all incredibly bright, incredibly talented, with like the most diverse series of backgrounds, the most you know random types of people you could possibly imagine. Um, but all incredibly happy, taking, you know, a wonderful, like, three-hour break from an otherwise absurd life trying to build, you know, this, this, this product that we're all working on. Um, and it was, it was a, a nice sort of physical embodiment of, of what, um, you know, what we're trying to build, of everyone being together, being happy. Um, and, and that picture, you know, I've got, I've got a copy on my wall, and it's like an actual physical printed copy of it on my wall. Huh. Uh, and and, and, uh, uh, and that, that was really great. So that, you know, sort of representation of the team and what we're doing, I think, is is the height for me at the moment. Mm. So how old are you? I'm now 23. 23. And so do you ever step back and be like, I'm 23, I'm running a 100-person company, we're doing, we're processing thousands of dollars in orders per minute, and just like kind of have your mind blown a little bit? Uh, uh, no, I'm, I'm impatient. That's, that's nowhere near enough. It's, okay. like, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 23. I think there's a fun saying that it's like, uh, you know, by, by the time... By the time Mozart was 33, he was already dead for five years, right? So, like, there's, there's, all, sorts of, there's all sorts of things that you should be doing. Uh, and, you know, I, I think especially in, in, you know, in the modern age and sort of the post-Facebook world, uh, your, your physical age has almost nothing to do with anything. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I know, I know people who are 65 and who are the most active, young-hearted, energetic people ever. Some of them work at, at, at Scavenger and Level Up. Uh, I also know people who are, you know, my age and, and still still trying to figure it out. And either either works. You know, it's really just about what you're looking to do at that moment in time. Um, but for me, I, I try and judge my life not by anything sort of as as rudimentary as basic years I happen to have been on this planet, mm-hmm. but by where I think I am in terms of what I'd like to build. Um, and by by that measure, I'm still a toddler, and I've got I've got a ton left to do. And so I, um, I neither really have time to think about it, nor does it sort of you know ju- jump into my everyday life. Hmm. Do you do you picture yourself reaching a moment of uh, contentment and satisfaction and being like, yes, this is enough, or is 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 the enjoyment the continual building? So 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 that's actually a great question, and and there's a key word in there, which is contentment, which uh, I believe being content to be the single most dangerous state that you could ever possibly fall into. Hmm. Uh, and when people ask me, you know, the thing that I'm most afraid of, it is it is feeling content uh, because there is. 
there is so much broken about the world. There is so much that can be better in, in all sorts of different vectors. And whether it's small things like, you know, like Instagram, people always joke about how sort of Instagram isn't that big a deal. And it's like, no, like there was something broken, which as trivial as you might think it is, was people sharing photos in a way that was enjoyable to them. And that was actually huge, mm-hmm. right? And with so many things ranging from that to, you know, to the economy, to healthcare, to education, um, I don't think any of us have the luxury of being content. Uh, and so we shouldn't be. You know, until we've until we've found life somewhere else in the universe, until we've solved cancer, until we've solved poverty and have everything like actually just working, which by definition of stating that is never going to happen. Uh, there's always going to be things we can do better. Um, just as people, we shouldn't ever let ourselves be content. Uh, and so that's that's the one thing I'm afraid of. And and to date, I found enough interesting things to try and work on that I don't. I, I hope I never get there. You probably got a lifetime worth of it. Yeah, at, at least maybe a couple. You know, so pull you, an Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> so you're just going to keep on raging until until it's, it's, it's all over. Yeah that that would be that would be that would be the life for me. I, I certainly it's been good so far. Huh. I, I think over like a, an eighty or ninety year lifespan, I will sleep like an additional like ten years over <laughs> you. So you have no excuse if you don't get everything done. I think exactly. By the time you're dead. I'll send you some five hour energies in the mail. Okay, no, that'll that'll help. <laughs> Maybe we can meet somewhere in the middle. You can sleep like three and a half hours, and I'll exactly. knock it down to like eight and a half, and we'll, we'll call it a fair compromise. Um, so I've noticed uh, I've done some work at Level Up uh, as a thank you. Yeah, no, it was great. Great, great work, I should oh, say. Thank you. And I'll say that you're very good at uh, describing things in a way that gets people excited. Like, it's very good, like, CEO quality. I remember my, it was my very first day, and you're like, we're going to sit down and talk about this amazing new thing I have. I know how pa- campaigns are going to work, and we're going to destroy the advertising and credit card industries at the same time. Totally. And it, I'm going to describe it to you in 10 minutes. And, like, I was surprised at how excited I got by that. Um, are you ever doing this despite your own doubts about the idea? Or are you really, like, is it, is it always 100% that? Or is there some aspect of that which, like, you're like, I'm the leader. I have to inspire the troops, basically. So I'm going to show this game face and, and just charge forward. So, so I think in the, in the earlier days uh, of building Scavenger uh, as, as sort of a company, uh, there, were, there were definitely times when I, when I felt like that, uh, where I, you know, um, I am often very excited about things. And then other times there are things which I'm, I'm more nervous about and you sort of have to put a game face on. And I think for the first, the company's now... I guess two and a half, three, three years old. Level Up itself is only a year and a month old. Um, uh, but uh, I sort of would make an effort to, uh, you know, to, to hide any doubts. Um, I stopped doing that about a year and a half ago uh, for two reasons. Um, one, uh, I think the transparency of, hey, there are some things that I just don't get. And like, that's okay. You know, like sometimes people ask me, okay, you know, what will happen when Apple introduces a payment system? Because I believe they will. And I've got some good theories on why, why I think it won't work. It might not be universal, but the, the, the best response I can give is, you know, they will do that. It will be scary. We are an incredibly bright team of people. Here's how I think we'll handle it now. But I'm confident in us figuring it out more so than, hey, it's just going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the second reason I stopped doing it is uh, I, I stopped giving myself the luxury of being okay with not feeling confident in what we were doing. Um, so if I didn't think something was working... Uh, the right solution isn't to put on a game face and say, hey, this is going to be great. It's to actually openly state, hey, that is broken. Mm. And as a team, we need to figure out why we feel weird saying that out loud and see if we can't do it better. Mm-hmm. Um, and a large part of that has motivated the, the shift from Scavenger as a social platform with check-ins as the core action to level up as a transactional platform. Because one of the things we always felt a little, a little wonky saying was, to local businesses at least, Scavenger is going to drive, Scavenger as a, as a check-in game is going to drive you a lot of revenue. We, we couldn't feel confident stating that. For universities, for big brands like Coke, it, make, it makes a huge amount of sense. But mm. for a local business, we needed to be able to say, you're going to put in this effort and you're going to get out dollars, and we couldn't. And so rather than you know, being the, the sort of um, eloquent CEO and trying to talk my way out of that trap, 
um, the, the, uh, the reality was, no, that is broken. So we're smart. Let's go back to the drawing board. Let's figure it out. And let's find something where the excitement that I get to you know, portray, and I am really excited almost all the time, doesn't have to be an act. It's actually, yeah, this is really good. And if we ever hit something where it isn't, um, I won't let myself act it out. I'll be like, you know what? We've got a problem. Let's get back to the point where we can care about it. Mm. And I've noticed uh, it seems a little paradoxical, but oftentimes admitting uncertainty uh, inspires more confidence in people. Definitely. Like they, they, okay, he's willing to say when he doesn't know what's going to happen or that he's afraid about this thing or that thing. Therefore, when he says he is confident and, you know, things are good, I can right. trust it. Yeah, no, no, no one wants to be, to be misled either intentionally or unintentionally by anyone. I, I certainly, I would hate to have it be done to me. And, and you know, what, one of the, uh, the sort of forcing functions on this that is nice is we, we tend to hire absurdly bright people. So, you know, even if I tried very hard, I'm not sure I'm going to pull the wool over anyone's eyes, mm-hmm. right? And, and I, don't, I don't want to. Um, and, and it does mean that, you know, when, when we do get to talk about campaigns and Interchange Zero and all these things that are exciting, not only do I like showing my excitement about it, but I can sort of do an internal gut check and be like, hey, am I really as excited as I sound? And the answer is like, actually, maybe I'm a little more excited, right? Maybe I need to tone it down because otherwise I'll just be, you know, jabbering about sort of nonsense. But it, it's nice to have those, the sort of what you get to portray and what is actually real line up. Mm, definitely. I want to ask you a, a personal question. Sure. So I, I, I found a quote um, from your dad, actually which says, with both kids, describing you and your sister, with both kids, my wife and I pushed them very hard, very invasive, very intrusive, doing things, planning things continuously. Was that tough to live with? Uh, it, was, it, it was both tough to live with and great. Um, so so my, my parents are uh, uh, incredibly aggressive people. Uh, uh, my dad passed, passed away recently, but he was a biotech entrepreneur uh, and had basically spent his entire life tackling problems, which even strike me as absurdly difficult. Because like, at least with software, you know, you... you you have bugs, but you can also debug them, right? When you're doing biotech, like you have bugs and, you know, no two human bodies are exactly the same. And so you can't like, you can't run some, some script and like get the output. You sort of are just often running very, very blind. So he was tackling these problems, which were insanely hard. And, uh, and my mom is a, a VP of uh, investment banking at what is now, I believe, it's Smith Barney. And I think it's owned by some other bank. They, they switch owners like every couple of weeks because that's mm-hmm. how Wall Street works. Um, but, you know, they, they both sort of took their level of, of business prowess and just aggression as humans and, and really trained it into myself and my sister. Um, they, we never did normal vacations. Uh, we never went to the beach. We never had a television. Um, we would go all across the world and do great things. Um, but we'd go there and, and the game was, you know, hey, we're going to go to China and Daniela and Seth, like plan a trip and document everything, right? Like the hotel room we were in, every single museum, every piece of art. Uh, like just, you know, every piece of history, weird stuff that, that trained into us a level of, you know, I think activity that, 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 that ended up uh, being a pretty useful life skill. And I, I owe them a lot for that. Mm. Um, Would uh, you raise your children in the same way? <laughs> uh, me raising children, I think, should be a felony. Probably. <laughs> um, but, you know, if that ever happens, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, you know, parents are there to push their kids. Uh, and, and certainly, like, did I rebel against it? Sure. I'm sure I must have been a terrible kid. Mm. Uh, but... Um, you know, but that type of pressure, um, you know, it's, it's like having a good coach. You know, you don't want your coach to be your best friend. You want your coach to be the person who makes you the best runner. Uh, and I think parents are, you know, if there's anything like a life coach, you know, that's what they're doing. Mm. Uh, and so it isn't, you know, it isn't that they were always doing the thing that made you the happiest at that moment. But, you know, five years, 10 years later, looking back and being like, yeah, you know, we didn't go to the beach, but they did tell me to build a lemonade stand and sit out front and like, you know, earn the money I wanted to spend on whatever toy I was going to get. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. cool. Hmm. Interesting. So uh, 
just hanging out with you at, at the level of office and seeing things like I, I think you have more notifications go off per minute than anybody I've ever seen. It's like three, four emails, a, a Skype request, you know, a text like it's, it's just a bombardment. Do you worry about your focus when you're getting like con- these constant interruptions? Um, so, so I did recently run out of Gmail chat windows. I, I don't know if you've ever had Gmail say to you, you have too many chat windows and, and you have to like refresh your page. Uh-huh. Uh, that, that, was a, that was sort of a moment of existential dread for me. Uh-huh. Um, but other than that, uh, yeah, there, there are definitely times when, when that's a little bit overwhelming. Um, but, but the reason why I don't worry about it too much from a focus perspective is that, you know, I, I divide days into segments, right? So, so during the traditional workday or, you know, like eight to seven or, or, or seven or eight at night, um, my job is to be working with other people. And so the fact that I'm getting tons of inbound requests and tons of chats and tons of pings and the phone's ringing and text messages, whatever, like that's what I'm meant to be doing. And so it's my job to, you know, up my uh, ability to handle all of those and, and make sure that everyone else is, is still moving, automate what I can, get myself out of the chains I don't want to be on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from, you know, from 8 p.m. onwards and, the, and you know, the traditional weekends, uh, I, 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 again, I, I like how you describe a traditional work day as eight to eight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a weird, it's a weird world. Uh-huh. Um, uh, you know, those are times when I can, when I can sit in a room and sit in front of a whiteboard and actually just think much more deeply about, you know, where we're headed. Mm. Um, and so there's a big difference between, you know, uh, uh, strategic moments of time. Let's sit down and think and operational moments of time. Let's just do. Mm. And for that, I'm glad, I'm glad Gchat exists, right? Cause it's, it's without, without these types of tools, um, you know, I just wouldn't be able to do the things that, 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 I, that I want to. I wouldn't be able to go to meetings off-site uh, because I'd be disconnected from everything. But mm. thanks to the, the glory of Apple and, and Android, uh, uh, you know, you can be kind of anywhere. Mm. Well, I appreciate you uh, turning your phone off for the length of this podcast. Yeah, no, no, it's good. I appreciate it's been, your it's, focus. <laughs> that's, that's, that's excellent. Um, so you get interviewed a lot, it seems like. What question do you wish people asked you that they don't? That exact question. <laughs> uh, no, that, 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 is a, that is a great question. Um, I'm actually somewhat stumped. Let me let me let me think on that for a mm-hmm. moment. So I, I actually think probably the most interesting question that 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 could be asked would be if I were one of my competitors, how would I stop what I'm doing now? Oh, I love it. And take it over. You have to answer that now. Sure. Uh, and 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 I'm not sure exactly how I do it, but I think I think that's the 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 interesting thesis. So so say I was Amex, right? Uh they have such an insane advantage over what we're doing. Uh, they have all the cardholders. They already have all the information or Apple or, or you know, MasterCard. They all kind of are in the same space um, or, or have the same advantage. Um, if I were them, I would take the advertising model that, that we've built and not get rid of my interchange model initially, but layer it on top of that, um, start building a revenue stream uh, off of that, build my own mobile app, be agnostic. Right. If I'm Amex, let MasterCard and Visa link because you want to control the ecosystem, not your own cardholders. And while it would be too difficult for me to give up on interchange immediately because I make $10 billion a year off of it, um, I could build up that advertising revenue stream to the point where it's close enough and then just do a complete flip, do sort of a, a Lou Gerstner, IBM type transition where you just say, yeah, that's the future. And yes, you're going to lose 5,000 jobs in the interim, but you're going to build another 25,000. Uh, on sort of this new skill set. Mm. Um, and I think, I think that in reality, uh, the, the most interesting thing no one's ever asked me is that that could really happen. Um, and, uh, and it doesn't strike me as that far from the imagination that if they, if they really stepped back and really had the vision to, to look at it, they could do that. Um, I don't think they will. I hope they won't. 
Yeah. Uh, but that that would be that would be what I would ask me. Awesome. I'm gonna have to, I'm actually gonna write that question down as like I think any any founders I talk to from now on, I need to have them answer that. Yeah. How would you coach your competitors into killing you? Yeah, and, and it's it's worth thinking through. Uh, right. What, what, one of the games we, we play at Level Up all the time is, is war games. Uh, mm. where you know we have the war room, we've got that big circular table. Um and, and we'll take, you know, and I do this all the time with people, we'll take different sectors of the company and sit them down and say, okay, here is the war game. Um Amex has just launched this feature and you know, and for whatever reason, um, we, we have uh, this scaling issue that we have to deal with. So, so our engineering resources are blocked. And mm. oh, by the way, Google's just said they're going to do that. React, um, and it's literally it's a it's like it's like a role playing game, right? Except you know you're not moving like you know you're you're wizard to to a different point in the in in, in whatever whatever game you're playing. Um, you're actually trying to deal with uh, some real world scenario that that the person who's administering the war game gets to set up. Interesting, um, and it's it's a fun way to think about it because. People think so much about crushing their competitors, and there's often more insight to be gained from, if I were my competitor, how would I crush me? Mm-hmm. And then trying to react to that. Address that weakness. There are smart people out there, right? I'm not the only person thinking about payments. I know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so someone's going to get those thoughts, and we've got to be sort of ready. Mm. Awesome. Uh, one last question for you. Sure. What do you want your legacy to be? That's another really good question. Uh, uh, I, I do have a, a strange fascination with Ozymandias as as sort of like the Greek the Greek hero who managed to pull that off. Also, the Great Watchman character, but but the Greek one's a little more uh, a little more effective. Um, at this moment, I think if I if I could even be so optimistic as to think I will get a legacy, what I would want it to be is uh, the team more so than just me that made money move frictionlessly, uh, and that as a as a single statement, is 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 what I would like us to do. Um, in the same way, you know, Facebook as Zuckerberg, but really a team uh, uh, made social sharing frictionless, and Google, and I think they've done a very good job at Google of really putting the team first. Uh, made information flow frictionlessly. They categorized the world's information. I would like the Level Up team to be the one that goes down in history as these guys found a way to make money flow frictionlessly, and the effect that had on the economy was really good. Doesn't have to be anything more sophisticated than that. Just it was good. Got it. All right. We'll write that down. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, so if someone wanted to get in touch with you, how would they, uh, how would they do that? Sure. Uh, I'm on Twitter, the Twitters, uh, yeah. at just at Seth Prebatch. Um, if they want to email me, my emails are super easy. I'm just Seth at Scavenger and at thelevelup.com. Okay. Uh, can you spell Prebatch real quick? Just... Oh, yes. Uh, can I spell that? I should write down. It's, <laughs> it's P-R-I-E-B-A-T-S-C-H. Excellent. Uh, and if you're ever in Boston, I'm the kid in orange. Awesome. And how do we try out Level Up? Uh, so download the app uh, for free to iPhone, Android, Windows Phone, and just uh, just give it a try. Yeah, and I'm not being paid to say this, but uh, I am a user and appreciator, and I enjoy it. So give it a shot. I can fully recommend it. Uh, so I think that actually wraps things up. Uh, thanks very much for joining me, Seth. I appreciate it. Totally. Thanks for having me. a great guest. Uh, now, a couple of events I want to mention before we go. I'm going to be giving a talk, uh, actually two talks, uh, the same talk, at two different places. It's called Refactoring Good to Great. I'll be giving it first at uh, Aloha Ruby, October 8th through 10th. Uh, in Hawaii. So if you want to come get some sun, join me there. Um, Mike Burns will be giving a talk on for of called Scala on Android at the Stockholm Google Technology User Group on October 9th. Uh, also, he's giving a talk called The Expression Problem October 30th at Riga Ruby Group in Latvia. And finally, I'm giving that talk once more at RubyConf on November 1st through 3rd in Denver. So hopefully I'll see some of you folks there. Uh, by the way, this is episode 15 of the podcast. You can get all the notes and links to things we talked about in the episode at thoughtbot.com slash podcast slash 15. Uh, today's podcast was recorded by Shauna Quinthal, edited by Edward Lovell, and produced by Chad Pytel. Thanks for listening.